You're listening to Decidedly Dry. I'm your host, Jess Steitzer. This is a sober podcast where we actually focus on the good. Amazing, right? We spark inspiration. We try to provide some hope and we help motivate you. I promise to always keep it real, provide some dry humor, and remind you every single episode why sobriety is truly a superpower. If you'd like to learn more about the show or make a donation, just head on over to decidedlydry.com. Thank you so much for pushing play today. Let's get started. Hiya, world, and welcome back to the show. For those of you that follow me over on social media, you might have seen that I tried my very first non-alcoholic wine recently. Excuse me? You have to do your chores. Okay. Thank you notes are important. Can I Can I finish my intro? You said we didn't have to though. Okay, we'll talk about it in a minute. You guys, this is real life. I am recording my intro and we are having debates about chores. Real life friends, real life. Introduction, take 2. What a rookie mistake it was for me to think that I could possibly record something in uninterrupted. While everyone was home. My bad. All right. I'm back in the closet. Let's try this again. Okay. I think we left off when I was telling you that I recently tried my first non-alcoholic wine. Now, no offense to free wines and or anyone that enjoys their red blend. However, in my personal opinion, that was the absolute worst. I had a few sips and proceeded to dump the entire bottle down the drain. Again, it's just my personal opinion. So anyways, naturally, I posted a picture and I set off on a quest to discover the best non-alcoholic wine out there. I think we can all agree that the N.A. beer selection is phenomenal. There are so many great options and most of them they taste really great. The feedback that I've received after posting the picture of the wine bottle, though, the other day is that our sober community definitely does have some favorite NA wines, which I am thrilled to try and appreciated the recommendations. But most of the responses that I received said that they too were seeking a good tasting non-alcoholic wine. So long story, kind of long with a great interruption, I have began my search. Big thanks to Joyous and Null Wines for sending some of their beautiful bottles. I will be popping a couple of those open this week and will report how many sober thumbs up I give each wine that I try. This is not a paid partnership, just your girl Jess sharing what she finds, so stay tuned. Alrighty, in today's episode, I am chatting with Lily Shanks. Lily is a self-described recovering attorney. She was someone who abused alcohol for many years since she was a teenager. Lily comes from a family of alcoholics and was taught from a young age that alcohol is the number one way to cope. Since removing alcohol, one of her biggest passions is helping people through their recovery journey to learn how to live a life of fulfillment without drugs and alcohol. 
Lily celebrated her four-year sobriety birthday on September 4th, 2022, and I just think you are really going to enjoy our chat. So here it is. Well, welcome back, everybody. This is Jess with Decidedly Dry, and today I have Lily. Hello, Lily. Hi, Jess. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. It is all all my pleasure, and I am just super excited to have you here today. This is the first time we've met. So I'm pumped to hear your story and have listeners get to know you. So thank you again for taking the time. Well, thank you. And if I can say one thing today that might help somebody, it will um, make my year. I love it. That's our goal here, right? I mean, just so that we can provide some sort of hope or, or anything that someone can take away. So I love that you mentioned that. All right, my dear. So we are going to start kind of how these talks usually start, we're going to have you just introduce yourself. So if you want to tell listeners who you are, if you have kids, where you live, what you do for a living, all that good stuff. Sounds great. Uh, Hi, I'm Lily Shanks, and I live in Dallas, Texas with my two fabulous rescue dogs, Hank and Sadie. Uh, No human children, at least not yet. We'll see what uh, the universe has in store. And I describe myself as a recovering attorney. I'm also a certified life coach, and I've taught yoga since 2011. So it's a unique mix in some ways. Um, My job is very intertwined with my life and my passions these days. Um, I finally transitioned officially, uh, at least by title, into coaching Mm -hmm. and working with women in recovery and in all kinds of other aspects of their lives officially a little over, well, a year and a half ago. And so my fun time is actually practicing yoga. It's traveling, getting out of Texas, especially in the summer months. Colorado (laughs) is a big favorite. And hanging out with my dogs. I love to read. I love live music and theater. And I'm a big fan of food, eating out or cooking in. Uh, And I have been sober one day at a time since September 4th, 2018. Oh my gosh. Wow. Congratulations. That is, it's not easy, but it's so worth it. Am I right? (laughs) It has not been easy, but it has been a lot less complicated than I thought it would be. And it is so much better than it was before. I love it. Well, I think we should just dive right into your story if you're okay with it. So I would love to just kind of hear your history with alcohol when you started, you know, when you started to maybe notice that relationship start to change and anything you'd like to touch on in regards to that. Happy to share my story. Looking back, I was destined to become an alcoholic. Um, I come by it honestly. It's strong in my family. And I grew up with alcohol in the home and as part of everyday life. But I didn't discover drinking and get very serious about my drinking career until I was in my 20s. But it's funny to look back now with the perspective that I have, because I was a very shy child. I was the only child of older parents. And so I grew up hanging out with myself, making up stories, entertaining myself. And 
I learned early on, um, at least I formed the beliefs, whether they were real or made up by me, that I needed to be good. I needed to be quiet, get good grades. And the perfect word was thrown around in my house a bit. And I like to call that the P word now. I don't like the P word. Uh, perfection is not reality and it's impossible. We are all beautiful, deeply flawed human beings and that's exactly how we're supposed to be. And so I don't know what perfect looks like, but it took me a long time to recognize that and to get to where I am today as a very staunchly proud anti-perfectionist uh, and getting in touch with you know, the true inner self of who we all are, but we might come back to that later. <laughs> and so as part of that, being a good child, I needed to also be independent because I was on my own a lot. And I was an adult in my family way before I reached the age of 18. I didn't admit when things were wrong. I didn't ask for help. I still struggle with the belief that I need to be able to do this by myself, that I should got this, you know, I got this, mm -hmm. you got this. Oh, I don't have a lot of things and I have learned to ask for help. Uh, but that's also come over time. I have finally, uh, one of the third beliefs I, I adopted, um, or was shown was that alcohol and food will make things better. Mm. That's the way to cope. That can be the ritual that makes you feel better. And even though I was an only child and I was very independent and I was more comfortable hanging out with adults than children my own age, go figure, mm -hmm. um, I really craved connection. I have always been blessed to have really close friends and I treasure my friendships. My relationships are one of the most important parts of my life and always have been. Um, but I felt shy and awkward and I, I felt awkward reaching out and making friends. Um, but when I was introduced to actually drinking alcohol in my early teens, I was probably 12 or 13 when I had my first drink, it didn't taste good. It was some brown liquor that one of my <laughs> friend's fathers had and a fancy crystal decanter on the bar. And I remember pouring some in a cup and I don't know what soda or, or mixer I was adding a uh, little mixologist that I was back in those days, but <laughs> it tasted gross. And I didn't like the taste, but I knew, even though I didn't really feel that immediate relief, that effect that I came to know and rely on for such a long time in my life, I knew that this was a way to feel better because I still frequently was not feeling uh, comfortable in my own skin, even though I was there at a slumber party and I was hanging right. out with my um, teenage friends. And so over the years in my teens, I grew up in Brenham, Texas, which is a small town, rural Texas, where Bluebell ice cream is made. We would go to these dances at the local skating rink some weekends. And I remember driving the back roads, which is what we would do, and drinking those awful, alarmingly red Bartles and James fruity wine coolers. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I can picture about. him in my head. Yep. <laughs> and oh my gosh, I think I just got a headache mentioning them, not to mention a cavity, but, but those were delicious. I could drink those and I did. And I oh. would... I would get drunk off the wine coolers and sneak back into the house. And that is how it started. I started out with the frou-frou fruity drinks and I didn't drink daily until I got into my twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew that, that that was the way to get out of my skin and I could launch all kinds of stories, all kinds of drunk logs, but I'm sure your listeners have plenty of their own. So I'll I'll skip most of those. (laughs) Um, But there was the answer. And I would show up at the dance and I would feel a little less self-conscious. And I might be a little bit more likely to talk to the guy that I thought that was, who was cute. Mm -hmm. Um, And that continued in college. And I still didn't feel good in my own skin in college. And I would go to frat parties where I was the only redhead with pale skin and crooked teeth. And I felt totally out of place. And so I would drink the beer or the punch or whatever they had because that was what everybody else was doing. And that was the way that I could feel a little bit more at ease. And I went to law school directly after college. And that is when my drinking really started to take off. I was in my 20s. And it seemed like it was going to be part of the lifestyle. You know, that glamorous cocktails and wine Mm -hmm. um, scenario that I had concocted in my head. And so I was being part of the crowd and I felt more comfortable drinking and I had so much fun. I had so Mm -hmm. much fun at all those parties that I went uh, that I went to. And again, it was so much easier to talk and flirt with the guys that I thought uh, were cute or to joke around or to get out on the dance floor. And alcohol gave me all of those errs. It made me feel prettier, smarter, funnier, sassier. I thought I was a better dancer when I was drinking. I really wasn't. I fell and fractured my <laughs> wrist Oh no! once. I had other injuries, of course, related to drinking, but... I, I wasn't going to give it up because that was going to be part of my life. Mm-hmm. And so finally, when I, when I got out of law school, when I started working at a big law firm, I was making money and I was drinking. I was going to fancy restaurants and drinking. I was going out with friends and drinking. And I quickly got to the daily drinking stage and it wasn't getting blackout drunk every day at the beginning. It was going home and immediately pouring a glass of wine or two, maybe three, but I still had some sort of iota of control at that point over uh, my drinking. It didn't get too out of control, at least not during the week, but that changed. And looking back, I knew at the time, but I couldn't have put it into words. I couldn't have explained it to you or to myself. Looking back, I knew inside that something was wrong. Mm -hmm. And I was using the alcohol to try to fix that thing inside that was so wrong, that felt so off. And I I tried changing all of the external stuff. I bought the new car. I've got a closet full of fancy shoes and clothes that I haven't worn in a very long time. I spent my money on all the things Mm 
Mm -hmm. I'll be external. I thought the right boyfriend would fix me. They didn't. Mm -hmm. And so I was looking outside to fix that thing or try to fix that thing that I felt inside that felt off. I even left my fancy lawyer job, um, i.e. they told me I should look for a new position because I didn't want to go into work. Mm. Was alcohol a factor in that? Yes. But it was really me. It was my mind and it was my inside saying, this isn't right. Yeah. None of this is right. Um, and I had consequences. I didn't stop until I was 37. I didn't hit my bottom until I was 37, but I had lots of consequences, but alcohol had to be part of the picture. Surely something else had to change. But I left the the big law firm in 2011 and I went to yoga teacher training and I got my 500 hour yoga teacher certificate and I taught yoga full-time for a year. I continued to drink and I can tell you with no doubt in my mind that teaching hot yoga hungover or still drunk is not a treat, (laughs) but somehow I did it. Somehow you do it. Somehow I did it. Um, And so that was really my first introduction into more service oriented, health oriented work with others because yoga had helped me get back in tune with my body so much and my eating, which I've also struggled with. Um, Alcohol and food are both part of my story uh, because if it makes me feel good, whatever it is, I want more of it. Yeah. Or is my favorite. Um, And so yoga had helped with the food. It helped with my mindset. And I loved seeing the light come on in people's eyes. Mm -hmm. I loved feeling that connection and that I was part of someone else making a positive change in his or her life. Um, But the money, money teaching yoga wasn't uh, gonna support my fancy pants lifestyle that I'd grown so accustomed to. And so I went back to practicing law and I continued to practice law and teach some on the side. Um, And I was at a medium-sized law firm here in Dallas in 2018 when I just started to slide downhill so fast. My drinking was off the charts. I was seeing and feeling physical health consequences that weren't going to go away. Of course, I wasn't telling anyone the truth about how much I was drinking. I didn't tell my doctors. I didn't tell my therapist. I thought that surely I needed to find the right guy. Surely I needed to change my job yet again. And then for whatever reason, on Labor Day 2018, I did the craziest thing that I had ever done. And that was, I called my best friend and I said, I need help. And she was there for me and has been there for me. And we made a plan. And then I did something even crazier. I followed through on the plan. I took some time off work. I went to IOP. I started seeing a therapist. And I finally got into 12-step recovery. I didn't want to go into 12-step recovery (laughs) because I thought it was... I thought it was going to be religious and I was not, and I still am not a religious person, but I, 
I could identify with the spirituality aspect and just, I, I had always craved connection. I'd always had these great friendships. And I thought that I was having fun and connecting with people when I was out drinking, even though I ended up doing the majority of my drinking at home alone by myself. Mm -hmm. Um, With my dogs, but as wonderful as they are, they weren't the human connection that I was really craving. Yeah. And so that that drinking was actually disconnecting me. But when I went in to 12 step recovery in 2018, I found the connection that I'd been missing that I'd been seeking. Mm-hmm. And I stayed. I stayed and I went, I went back, I kept going back, I got a sponsor and I worked the steps. And so um, 12 step recovery has been a huge part my recovery journey and it still is today but it hasn't been the only part i've had to seek help outside of the 12 steps multiple times because um as i put the drink down and continued to not turn back to wine uh day after day I started to really get in touch with what was going on inside and it didn't feel good. So I had my sponsor, I worked the steps, I went back into therapy uh, and then back out of therapy. And I finally arrived at coaching Mm -hmm. and getting more into action and really creating the, the kind of life that I love. And so that's where I am today. It's so amazing. Well, first of all, thank you. I know it's a lot to share a story, but if you're anything like me, I love sharing it now because it's relatable, you know, and people hear it and maybe they don't relate to every piece, but there's something in there that someone will be like, oh, yeah, that was me. Or, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, I felt that way too. So I always have to thank thank the people that come on because uh, your story is powerful. Um. I love that you brought up the different things that worked for you too, because we are so lucky to live in a time where there's so many options, you know, it's not just one fits all. It's not one way, you know, and, and I'm also just blown away with, um, how brave you were to talk to your best friend and ask for help. That's not easy. It wasn't easy reaching out, but she is my best friend and she saw me in all of my crazy she saw me and actually joined me in getting kicked out of a bar on my 25th birthday. (laughs) (laughs) And I have to say my closest uh, friends are not alcoholics. I was the drunk of the group. I have very close friends in recovery today, of course, but I'm, I'm also extremely blessed to have family uh, a mother who is not an alcoholic, who who is able to control and enjoy her drinking, and she's extremely supportive. And my friends who don't entirely understand, but are there for me, and they do want to understand, and I know that they would do anything to help me, just like I would do anything for them. So that's been a pivotal part of my recovery, of course, is having a strong support system yeah. and having having a multifaceted support system. And as you said, there are so many different groups out there, so many ways to get sober. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And as I mentioned earlier, I've, I've utilized multiple different options and will continue to do so because life changes, we change the things that we need to work on today that I need to work on today. I'll speak for myself are different from what I was working on in that first year of sobriety. And that first year of sobriety was not drinking. Right. That's how I refer to mine. I'm like that first year for me was just survival. It was survival and it was just learning, you know, how do I, how do I hit that pillow another day sober? You know, how do I not drink tonight? What activity could I do instead? You know, it, it, it changes year to year. I truly believe. Do you agree? Absolutely. There were a lot of firsts that first year. Uh, Of course, just making it through a first year, through all the different holidays, through birthdays, traveling sober was a big first for me and can still be a little bit of a challenge, even though I've done it several times now. COVID was a huge challenge. (laughs) Thankfully, I had about 18 months or so uh, by the time the world shut down, but um, those those firsts in that first year uh, are so new and so revelatory and everything seems so much more intense. Yes, yes. During those initial days. That was one of the things I had written down that I would love for us to talk about. You know, just when you are going through that first year of sobriety, there are all those, you know, we always say it, the firsts. Do you want to talk about that for a minute? Just how people can be prepared for those situations, or maybe you can speak to to your experience, whatever you want to share on that. Absolutely. I have to start by saying be prepared, which is the word you just used, mm-hmm. because if you know that you have an event coming up and as we're taping this, Halloween's right around the corner, Thanksgiving's just a few weeks after that, and then there's Christmas and then there's New Year's. And I had the support system to help me prepare and I used it. I talked to my sponsor. I talked to people in my 12 step group about how to handle the holidays, how to handle my first concert without drinking, because I used to drink at every single concert. Well, I drank every single day. I drank for anything, but, um, you know, how am I going to make it through those firsts? And so if you have your support system, use it. If you don't have a support system, find one. Mm-hmm. If you're not sure how, how to find one, I know Jess has some great resources on her website and I'm available to help anyone, if I can, find the right support network for themselves. It's not a one size fits all. And so using that support system, you can make a plan. And I remember distinctly my first Christmas, I spent the actual day of Christmas by myself. The way the schedule worked out with work and everything, I couldn't be with my family on the day of Christmas. And it was lonely. Mm. And loneliness for me was a big old reason to drink. And I remember thinking back and thinking, well, 
this time last year, I was already drinking wine and I had an open bottle in my guest bathroom that I was drinking from. And then I got considerably drunker throughout the day. And so the association of the the alcohol with the holidays or with those types of events is so strong that first time. But I talked to people. And so I had my schedule for the day and I had how I was going to be busy and what I was going to be doing. And I had people that I was going to check in with. And that was the preparation for Christmas day, for example. And it's been similar for other firsts, especially those events where there will inevitably be alcohol there, like the office Christmas party. Mm -hmm. And so an event like that, I took one of my best friends who knew I was sober and supported me. And we went a little late and we left extra early, (laughs) but I went because I felt like I really had to, because my employer had been so good to me during my first year uh, of sobriety. And so I made the appearance, but I had the option to leave at any time. And I did leave early. And I had people that I could call before and after. And I had that support system and I had the plan. Mm -hmm. So those are the big tips. Those are huge tips. Well, and I think just having those people to reach out to. And if you don't have a friend, if you don't have a family member, I mean, that's where honestly social media can be very beneficial. I haven't met one sober person or person in the sober community that would not reply to someone that needed, you know, some help. So find someone that inspires you and reach out to them. And I would be shocked if they didn't reply, but, you know, have that person. I love how you said at the beginning and the end, someone referred to them as your bookends, like my bookend people, you know, I'm going to let you know when I'm going, I'm going to let you know when I get home and just having that accountability and going into it with a plan, because I remember hearing it somewhere, but if you wing it, it's, it's, you're, you're setting yourself up to fail. It's kind of like, okay, well, we'll see what happens. (laughs) Whereas if you go in with a plan, a plan of action, I think you're going to succeed. Absolutely. You're far likelier to succeed and being in touch with that desire to stay sober at that event is what motivated me to make sure I had a plan. Um, And I do believe if you truly have a strong desire to not drink at whatever you're doing and you've been working some sort of, of program, whether it be the 12 steps or, or with somebody else that you'll go in so much stronger, but I love the bookends. Isn't that cool? I can't, it's not mine. I stole it from somebody, but. <laughs> well, I've, I think I've borrowed most of my material from other people, but that's how this works because I didn't know how to get sober. I didn't know how anyone had ever done that. And so I had to learn from others. I had to ask them and watch them and listen to them. Yeah. And, and one thing you mentioned too, I'm sorry, I cut you off, but was the car, the piece about having your exit strategy too, not feeling obligated to stay the whole time. You know, if you see everybody getting sloppy and you're uncomfortable, there's your cue, you know, make sure you have that opportunity to go home early if you need to. I love that you mentioned that. 
Absolutely. It's such a gift to be able to drive mm-hmm. anytime, anywhere, and not have to worry about drink having having been drinking. Mm-hmm. I actually like seeing police police officers on the road these days. <laughs> I know. I joke with my husband too. I'm like I wonder if he's following me. Does he think I'm driving? He's like, well, I don't know. Are you driving safe? You know, like you shouldn't want to be pulled over. I'm like, but it is so funny how our our uh, mindset changes, you know, how we're like, well, I know I'm totally fine if I get pulled over. <laughs> Add on to that. Well, I don't have to worry about getting pulled over after having a drink or five. Uh, waking up hangover free. That doesn't get old. It really doesn't. Waking up, remembering what I did the night before, what I said, whether I had posted something outrageous on social media, which by the way, I haven't done in the past four plus years. Love it. Go Go you. (laughs) Go figure. And just to go back briefly to the parties or the events um, where you may be having a first or even a second or a third with others who are drinking, I have learned the hard way. Um, because I like to forget that others have their own lives and are thinking about other things. People are not always focused on me. They're not typically watching whether I'm drinking or not. They're not aware of exactly what time I arrived at the party and what time I left. So I don't need to worry about that. I just have to take care of myself when I go and have that plan. And do you, um, one thing we didn't mention was, um, being prepared in a sense of like bringing our own drinks. Is that something you did in the beginning for your first? Did you bring, whether it be, you know, just a sparkling water or something fun to put in a glass in case there wasn't an option for a non-alcoholic beverage? At my very first, I did not. I would be going to events where someone had a well-stocked supply of uh, options And so there was usually sparkling water, but I think that's a fantastic idea. Let me back up. I went to my neighbor's house when I was newly sober and I wasn't really telling people that I wasn't drinking. It was that fresh. And I took my own container. I took a roadie that had, of course, no alcohol in it. And so when they offered me something, I said, oh, I'm fine. brought my own. So yes, yes, that is a great idea. Especially if you're going to a party and you're not sure what will be available. And if anyone ever hounds you about why you're not drinking alcohol, you don't have to answer. You can say, oh, I'm just not drinking tonight. Or, oh, I have an early morning tomorrow. And if they're really caught up in why you're not drinking, it says more about them than it says about you. And so I think giving them a really funny look can be the best response. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you pointed that out because, you know, if you decline an offer, no is a complete sentence. You do not necessarily need to practice a big response if that's something that helps you. By all means, practice your practice your sentence, your answer, but simply saying no is a full sentence. All right, my dear, I'm looking at my list of questions, totally cheating. Um, but I would love to know 
kind of, this is where I focus on all the good stuff. So what new hobbies and accomplishments and other things are happening in your life right now because of your sobriety? My sobriety has been such a huge gift. It's hard to limit it to just a few things. Um, my career shift, really, truly official career shift from practicing law into coaching is the biggest one right now. It's the one that I'm most focused on right now. I never thought I would start my own business. I never thought that I would be on a podcast with you talking openly about the gifts of sobriety. I never thought that I'd be able to travel sober and to make plans and traveling and getting out into the world has been so freeing. I'm currently in the stage of discussing some yoga and wellness retreat options that will involve more travel and more time with other people. But the biggest gift, the biggest reward for me has been to be able to be present mm -hmm. for others, for my mother, for my friends. I used to always be focused on where the server was and whether they were going to come back and refill my wine glass. Yeah. And now today I can go and do anything I want and not worry about how I'm going to get home or how much alcohol the host will have at her house and whether that'll be enough. Uh, so being present for others, but also I, I am my own hobby these days. I have done a lot of self-improvement. I've done a lot of little projects around my own personal space. Um, and I say that slightly joking as far as I'm my own hobby right now, but this past year has been uh, such a tremendous year of change and, and inner accomplishment mm -hmm. that I'm really proud of that. That's amazing. And I'm so glad you shared that because sometimes that's the best and biggest hobby we could have, you know, is just working on ourselves, learning to love ourselves and accept ourselves and become our true authentic self, which kind of gets lost when you're down in the bottle of wine, you know, every night. So I'm, I'm really glad that you shared that. Thank you. All right. I think we have come to our last question. I can't believe that this has been so wonderful, but I would love for you. I ask this question every episode to the one person or many that are listening right now and feeling inspired to make a change, what advice would you give them? I would tell them that if something feels off inside of you, listen to that feeling. Even if it isn't related specifically to alcohol or your drinking, that's where mine started. I knew something wasn't right. I didn't know it was my drinking, but I ignored that voice. It took me another 11 solid years to finally tune into that voice that something really was wrong and to start looking deeply at what it was, um, which leads into seeking help. Yeah. If I'm 
drowning in a bottle of wine every single night. I can't pull myself out of it. And there is so much help available out there. There's so many resources, as we've already discussed. Mm -hmm. You are not alone. Whatever you're feeling, whatever your situation, you are not alone. And there is almost certainly somebody who's had the exact same experience, whose outsides may have matched your outsides today, and who knows how you feel inside. And don't give up. Perfectly said. Oh, not perfectly. Wonderfully said, I should say. (laughs) I almost caught myself there. No keywords, Jess. No keywords. What was I thinking? Um, Oh, that's so funny. Um, I wasn't planning that. Uh, But anyways, so that gave me a good laugh. Lily, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they, I mean, I'll have all of your links in the show notes, of course, but what is the best way for them to reach out to you? They can email me directly at Lily, L-I-L-Y, one L in the middle, at myinternalweather.com. And myinternalweather.com is my website. So there are, of course, contact links there. And I do free coaching once a month in a small group. I've got lots of uh, cool stuff coming up for the holidays, including a holiday wellness challenge. It's open to anyone who wants to join in. Fantastic. Well, thank you again for sharing all that you've shared. It was wonderful to get to know you and I will make sure to have all of those links in the show notes. Thank you again, Lily. Thank you so much, Jess. My pleasure. If you'd like to learn more about the show or make a donation, you can head over to decidedlydry.com. If you enjoy the show, the best way to support it is to subscribe and to leave an awesome rating or review over on Apple Podcasts. It's sure been a treat spending this time with you. And just remember, if the only thing you did today was stay sober, you are winning. I'll see you next time.